Welcome to Bear Books Podcast. I'm Daisy Ray. And I'm April Berry. This is the podcast that introduces indie authors to their readers. Together, we're looking for our next favourite author. Hello, and a big warm welcome to episode six of season two on Bear Books Podcast. April and I, this week, are interviewing Elizabeth Thomas, who is the author of Arden's Act, which I have read about almost two-thirds of, and I believe April knows the ending, but she won't tell me anything. And the synopsis for the book goes a little bit like this. In 1661, Arden West runs away from an abusive Puritan stepfather with the goal of becoming one of the first actresses of the London stage. One of the first people she meets is the jaded and sensual aristocrat Robert Courtney, and sparks fly hot and fast between them. Will he help or harm her new career? Will she give up her quest for fame for him? Will he give up his arranged betrothal for her? Will her stepfather succeed in dragging her back to his peculiar brand of torment? And what of Charles II's desire to make Arden his royal mistress? Royal intrigue, assassination plots, ghosts and kidnappings are among the obstacles standing in the way of Arden and Robert's chances for happiness. That's one hell of a write-up for the story. When I read that, I thought, well, what isn't happening in this book? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I'll tell you what is through this book quite a bit. That's chocolate. Yes, that's one of the questions I'm, I actually want to ask Elizabeth when we do speak to her. It's chocolate. Yeah. Because it was decadent. So yeah, I mean, it's still decadent now for those of people who like chocolate. But I think I'm about the only person I know that doesn't. I have to say, of all the things that are in that write-up, I've read about two-thirds of the book. The only thing I haven't read anything about at this point is kidnappings. I don't know who gets kidnapped, by whom, or why. And I'm not telling you. Oh, maybe I can get a bit of a spoiler off Elizabeth when we talk to no, her. No, you can't. <laughs> anyway, go on. Speaking of, uh, of talking to Elizabeth, do you think we should start asking some questions? Oh, definitely think so. Today, then, we're interviewing Elizabeth Thomas, who's written Arden's Act. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. What we want you to do, really, is sort of tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into writing, what sort of things inspired you. Because I was actually fascinated by the information that was in the afterword in the book, especially about Professor Wynne. I took from that that he was a major influence on you. He definitely was a major influence on me. However, I had already decided when I was nine years old that I wanted to be a writer. And one of the reasons I pursued the course of studies that I did was that I knew writers often have to have day jobs. And uh, I had thought about going into teaching English. Then I realized that really wasn't for me. And I got some work in publishing instead. But when I was nine, I finished reading a book and was looking around for another book to read and couldn't find one that suited my mood. And I realized I could write my own stories. Excellent. <laughs> by the time I was influenced by Professor Wynne, he did have a great deal of influence on my writing style. I mean, he taught me a great deal about writing as well as the history of the period that Arden is, is set in. You know, I, I learned never to begin sentences with it. 
and <laughs> to, to use more active verbs. And, you know, he just on our papers, our student papers, he would tell us things about writing that I've, I've always took to heart and incorporated. I must admit, Elizabeth, I do actually like the style of writing. That was one of the things that I was saying to Daisy because we had about a five minute chat before you came on. And I was saying that I like the way the book is written and that I'm a, uh, not that I'm an expert, but I did like it. Well, I think that's something that indie writers struggle with. They wonder, you know, does this sound like a real book? Is this good enough, yeah. you know, that compares with traditionally published books, you know? Yeah, but I've read books by traditionally published authors and they're like, really? So, <laughs> and that's it. I, don't re- I read about the first chapter and a half and I think, no, I can't get on with this. And then I never pick another book up by them at all because I just don't like the way that it's written. Wow. Thank you for the compliment. It is nicely written. I'm enjoying it. I'm about two thirds of the way through it myself. Oh, um, so spoilers. <laughs> yeah, try, try not to spoil the ending for me. April knows how it ends. I don't. <laughs> I love the characters. I love Arden. I love that we've got a female lead in the book. Although it is a period piece, have you based any of your characters on people from modern times that you know now? Um, yes, it's really funny because my daughter will not read this book because she thinks it's me. And I swear it's not me. It's she's Arden's actually a kind of a composite of two of my best friends. My daughter doesn't believe me. And so she doesn't want to read all the sex scenes thinking about her mother. Do these two friends know that they make up Arden? Well, I suspect you know, if people are immortal and you know everything after you pass, then then my one friend definitely knows. And, and the other one who's still living, she knows because I've told her that it's a blend of her and, and Debbie. And Debbie's my friend who, who passed on, who yeah. had quite a bit to do with encouraging me to write the book. Oh, that's lovely then. Yeah. Bit yeah. of a legacy from her to you, sort mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. In terms of that, Elizabeth, sort of, how do you go about developing a story, especially one like this that's a historical novel, details, research? Because I would imagine there's a lot of research that you need to do. Well, there was a lot of research, and yet not. It's like if I had chosen any other period, I would have had to do more research than I had to do because I already felt very familiar with this period because of Professor Wynn and what I had studied with him. He so much emphasized that to understand the literature of this period, you had to really know what the history was, what was going on at the time these things were being written. So I felt fairly knowledgeable about the period to begin with. So you were just sort of drawing on everything that you already knew to make the story around it? Yes. I love the idea there had never been actresses before on the London stage that, you know, in Shakespeare's day, all the parts were played by men, you know, even the ladies parts. And they finally allowed women actresses and to imagine that there was a young woman somewhere wanting to do this because she loved plays and loved the idea of acting. A lot of women fell into it kind of in the same way they fell into prostitution in real life. But I I decided, you know, what if we have someone who really cares about what she's doing and really wants to do this with her life? What what happens then? Yeah, it's more of a passion for her, isn't it? More than a, I want to be in front of everybody showing off or acting up. She's passionate about acting. I think it's wonderful. Well, I also 
didn't like the like the typical romance heroines who they don't have a job they don't you know they're they're just there to fall in love with someone and i wanted to create a character who had goals who had ambition yeah i thought robert was a little bit like that if i'm honest he was like what the female support would be like he's the eye eye candy that the hero of the piece falls for (laughs) yes you know i in a way i'm i'm guilty of that but arden even talks about that with him she's like i see potential in you you're not doing a bloody thing now yeah but you you have potential you know yeah i remember that conversation well i've just recently read that because i think i'm just beyond that where she's like, why do you love me? And they're asked, talking to each other about it. Because yeah. he's, he's aware he does nothing. And he's, I think he's a little bit jealous of Brian at the point oh, I'm definitely. reading it. When I started this book, it raced out of the blocks. Everything happened all at once in a mad rush right at the very beginning. She ran away from home from this abusive Puritan stepfather She was almost assaulted in an alleyway. She met a future lover and a future husband on the same day, secured herself an acting job and lodgings. What was the thinking behind pushing everything out all at the very beginning like that? It's almost to me like I can say this is such an English question because (laughs) I feel like English readers and English publishers have a lot more patience with building a story than American publishers do, American agents, etc. And, you know, I was trying to get an agent, I was trying to get a publisher, you know, I, I, I didn't want to bore them, you know. <laughs> All right, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I love uh, British writers, but sometimes I'll be reading one of their books and I'm like, oh yeah, this is like everything they told me not to do, you know, because I have more patience personally. Yeah. Because we do like to wind our way into a story and, and like the anticipation and the waiting for it. And so I do understand that part of it. Yeah, I think I think I do too as well. But if I pick a book up and it's really slow in the first chapter, I never get past that first chapter. Right, right. And I just wanted to yeah. just wanted to throw as many hooks at people as I could to get them into it. Well, certainly intriguing. Yeah. One one of the things I noticed right in the very, very first chapter, chocolate, hot chocolate, (laughs) something that most people love, totally decadent in 1661. What I did was I had a quick look about chocolate and when it actually arrived in this country. And in 1661, they just, it had only just arrived and they'd started coffee shops, uh, sorry, chocolate shops and things like that. And coffee shops. Yeah. But it just seemed to me to be a very, very English thing to do, to, to offer a cup of comfort to somebody who'd just gone through a traumatic experience it ran through it quite a lot chocolate so so what was the idea with that well because initially you know i i had the stereotypic british idea of offering a cup of tea and i realized mm. that tea did not become popular until charles ii's wife from portugal introduced it and she had not arrived on the scene in the story yet ah Right. Yeah, and chocolate had. I think prior to chocolate, it used to be alcohol, didn't it? This is a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For me, the book deals really well with issues facing women in the 17th century. And it's quite gritty in parts. You don't pull your punches. Arden's character, she was no pushover whatsoever. She was quite the feisty one. 
And I like the way she always defended Brian to Robert and to anybody, not the typical female of the 17th century. So why was Auden such a feisty woman? She had to be, I mean, to to survive. I mean, I, I also wanted to provide people with a likable heroine. I mean, you don't want to spend three or 400 pages with someone you don't like. That's very true. That is very true. <laughs> and I do like Arden. I think I could be good friends with Arden. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was really, really likable as well. I mean, I felt a little bit sorry for Robert in some respects because he was a bit lost and a bit rudderless. Mm-hmm. But Arden, she was... Yeah, very, very likeable and absolutely knew just exactly what she wanted to do. I'm not going to spoil the end, but obviously there's a little bit of a a flip at the end, Mm -hmm. um, I felt. So why a period drama, um, Elizabeth? Reading through it, it, this could quite easily be made into a TV drama. I could be wrong, but what was your inspiration behind the period drama? I love that aspect of it. I mean, you know, where where else can you wear, you know, dresses like that, but in the 17th century or, or even Victorian times, you know, but just not contemporary. I don't know. I find, I know that like contemporary romances sell better, but I'm not inspired. I, I don't know. It just seems too ordinary. You know, you don't, well, I guess you, you have royals and now, but <laughs> but, but I did like that whole period. Oddly, though, that whole period reminds me of this period of our times with the religion and the politics, and uh, you know, especially yeah. over in the in the states. But religion and politics are intertwined. You, there is no escaping one from the other at any point. I don't think. No, I think you're right. Reading it, I would never have hung a label of a romantic novel on it. To me, it was more a bit of an adventure. But with lots of dirty parts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you get get that in any book. You get, you know, well, not any book, but, you know, you you, you get that. (laughs) That's a great compliment to me. It's not that I think there's anything wrong with, with romance novels, but it's a compliment to me because it reminds me of how people have talked about Diana Gabaldon, who is a great, great role model for me in in terms of, you know, if I could write like her, I would be incredibly wealthy right now. Can I ask about Brian? I really liked Brian. And I love that he's made of moon dust right now in the bit that I'm reading. Uh he's, He's wonderful. He was so kind. At one point, I was worried about Brian because I was thinking to myself, what are his motives? Why is he so kind? And why is he suddenly drawing away from Arden? Because there were a couple of times where he yes, rebuffed yes. her and, and moved away from her. And that came out a little bit later. But at one point, he really had me worrying about what his motives were. And was he actually as kind as I thought he was? I'm happy to say that, yes, he was. Um, <laughs> He's wonderful and I miss him. <laughs> but no spoilers. It could be anyway. <laughs> Although it's, yeah. I love him too because he is based on one of my very best friends. He's another person that the description and everything, it's like my, my mother even recognized him. And she's like, oh, is that so-and-so? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and but he's very much alive and he's a he's a fellow writer i'm like um i'm writing this book and i'm thinking about doing this to you but don't, <laughs> don't take it personally <laughs> it must be a wonderful person this friend of yours is, brian's oh, character is amazing he's he i love him to death i mean <laughs> he you know um in real life he's not of a of an orientation to truly appreciate Arden. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I love going to visit him and his husband in Chicago. They always give me such a wonderful time and it's just beautiful. I, I look forward to going and visiting him again soon. Excellent. Well, you can you give him our regards because I, I think will, he, I it was, it, his inspiration for the character of Brian was brilliant. Um, and can I also ask about religion? Because you've got the next door neighbours that midwifed the birth of Helena. There's a lot of their characters in this book as well. Was was religion a big thing for you as well? Or is that something that is close to home? Are you religious? I am, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not traditionally religious. Um, yeah. I loved how interesting the religious situation was at that time that yeah. there were all of these different people who who were not really legal it wasn't legal to be a quaker it, it wasn't legal to be a puritan it wasn't legal to be catholic it was nice how open everybody was in your story though and how each not i've not tolerated that's the wrong word understood other religions and other people's feelings and were happy to listen to somebody else's point of view. Margaret was wonderful. I really liked Margaret. Uh, I Very like, accepting. Yeah. Yes, yes. Way ahead of her time. Yeah, very, <laughs> very much so. She was a good friend to Arden. Yes, very much. She was very lucky, Arden, because although every man that she ever met wanted to immediately sleep with her and some did <laughs> she wasn't hated by all the women they liked her too they wanted to be her friend and I thought that was quite refreshing because normally if you've got a character that all the men just want to sleep with then women automatically hate them because of the jealousy thing I like the fact that women are friends with Arden oh thank just, you as Daisy said everything was really open but in that time if you kind of sort of dig and delve into history everything was hidden it was hidden and yet I had had the impression that people were used to this situation and had kind of you know accustomed themselves to dealing with it. There was something I read about when I was trying to research marriage between someone who was Catholic or secretly Catholic and someone who was Protestant, and you know. There, there often were instances where a Catholic priest would marry someone, and they would just record it in the the regular Church of England church just for legal purposes, and it and people just did that. Yeah. And so I got this this sense from that of of accommodation, the legal side of things, that there were there was intolerance, and and Charles II himself really wanted to be more tolerant. I thought he was a bit of a mischief maker. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he wanted, to, you know, he wanted to make it legal for people to have their own religious conscience, but Parliament prevented him a lot of times. Yeah. 
Yeah. I like the way he remembered Arden and her helping him when she was just, was she nine years old? Or yes. When she offered him help. Right. I right. thought that was lovely that he remembered that. But still, he just wanted to sleep with her. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wanted to sleep with everyone. You know, yeah, I'll give you that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did. You know, maybe if you were really ugly, but <laughs> he would look yeah. away. Henny <laughs> uh, port in a storm. <laughs> exactly. Oh, funny. You should say that because um, I have a friend who is a composer, and you know, we we have this plot to make a stage musical of Arden's act, and. I'm envisioning us like Charles II doing this number called All Cats Are Gray in the Dark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see where you go in there. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) You should do that. You should totally do that. Well, we will. We will. I know you can't give me any spoilers or anything, but was your intention for Robert to be shallow eye candy? Um, no, it just turned out that way. And I mean, I don't want to spoil it too much. Yeah. But he gets better. Okay. You know, like Monty Python would say, it, it got better. But- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does get, he does get better. You'll change your mind a little bit about Robert when you get to the end. While you're reading it and you're partway through a story, it's so strange because you have like a an image of what somebody is like in your head while you're reading it. So if someone were to ask you a question at a certain time reading the book, you would say, oh, yes, this person's like this, 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 and this, and then they're not at all. By the time you get to the end of the book, it's a different person altogether and people grow and change and evolve and relationships change. And oh, I just love reading. Really that do. was that was one of the things that I actually did like about this book was the changing and the the evolving of the characters. You know, they weren't the same at the end of the book as they were at the beginning of Who the book. Who do you think and changed the most? I think possibly Robert had a bit of an awakening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Who did you write to change the most, Elizabeth? Robert, I, I agree. Robert. <laughs> okay. Well, it's like you said all of those wonderful things about Arden. And so, you know, how far does she really have to go? She doesn't have to change much. Yeah. There is a thing, though, back in that time frame where women aren't worth very much unless you're sleeping with them. And it was such an established way of life to have a wife and a lover and to marry for politics, really. But there was no love in the marriage and the love was outside the marriage, kept somewhere else entirely. And women just accepted that. Arden's not that woman, though, is she? Well, I'm hoping she's not that woman. I haven't finished. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's her character. I don't think she will accept him marrying this younger person when she's of age and then just being the bit on the side in a kept house. She doesn't want that. (laughs) I don't want her to want that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, put it this way. She she is a realist and she does accept things. I'll just say that. that That's not much of a, a spoiler, I don't think. Yeah. No, I don't think you've given anything away there, Elizabeth, at all. <laughs> Nothing. The only thing I've not seen from the synopsis of the book on Amazon is the kidnapping part. I don't know anything about that yet. Who does it? Who they kidnap? Why they kidnap them? Whether they get to go back? I know nothing about that part yet. So that's really it's exciting coming. for me. <laughs> 
yeah. I'm just hoping it's got nothing to do with Treadwell because he's horrible. What a man. Ugh. <laughs> Not keen on him then. No, no, he's Why do you like him either, right? <laughs> I think you know that. Isn't it nice to have somebody to dislike in a book, though? It's lovely. Yeah, it is good. It is. <laughs> I think your characters are brilliant, Elizabeth. I really do. Oh, thank you. That makes me so happy. So what's coming up next then for you, Elizabeth? What have we got to look forward to? Well, right now I am working on a collection of short stories. Some of them are already written. I'm like finishing up one as we speak. Well, not quite as we speak, but you know. And the collection is going to be called Crossings. And that's because the stories all deal with pushing boundaries, changes, transitions, and that's the unifying thing that binds the collection together. That's quite interesting because the first thing that comes to mind when you say crossings in my mind is people that died and crossed into heaven or hell, weirdly. There's some stories that deal with that and yeah. others that deal with societal taboos. Yeah. When is that going to be available? Oh, you're still writing it, though. I'm hoping to have it out before the end of the year. Oh, right. This year. Okay. Yes. These are mostly contemporary stories, although there are going to be two that are more in the fantasy genre. That's a little bit different. Do you know how many stories will be in it? About six or seven. Is that going to be on Amazon self-published? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Terrific. Um, Where can we find you online? Well, um, my biggest presence really is Facebook. My author page is Elizabeth Thomas at Elizabeth Thomas Writer. So yeah. that's, like I said, the, the easiest place to find me. Brilliant. We love to get the skinny on everybody, as we say over here. I don't know if we you do. use that same phrase. Oh, yeah. That's America, too. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to tell us about? Well, I do have a book that has sold surprisingly well for an independent project, but it's a very special niche work. You know, for any of your your listeners who have heard of Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child's Pendergast series, these are wonderful, gracious gentlemen whom I've met and who have allowed me to do a literary analysis of that series' best villain, Diogenes Pendergast. And the book is called Apologia Diogenes. I've had a lot of fun with it, and people who like the the series buy it and seem to like it, even though it's you know it's completely different from Arden's act, obviously, but yeah, it was fun to write what's really going on in this character's head um, oh right, like an in depth right, right. So is that more where your passion lies in writing, do you think oh i I much prefer fiction. And, you know, I really want to make it as a novelist, etc. But I fell in love with their villain. He just absolutely captivated me and I wanted to spend more time with him. Absolutely different from Treadwell because, you know, he grosses (laughs) me out completely. But Diogenes is sexy. Described as an evil brother and arch nemesis of the hero of the Prendergast novel series. Yes. Yeah. And I like the book cover. Oh, my friend Rosalie painted that. She let me do a a few brush strokes on it. And she also let me uh, use it for the cover of my book. Her name is Rosalie Evert. And that should be on the inside of the book. I'm I'm sure I credited her. Isn't it amazing how small the world gets when you get into certain circles? 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have made so many friends. It's just been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us at Baybox today. We've had such a nice time talking to you. Yes, yes, I've really enjoyed it. Again, I appreciate it so much because one of the things about being an indie author is it, you know, just it's so hard to get the word out. It is. And to compete with all the other people out there who are trying to get their word out and their book sold. But any opportunity is just wonderful. Well, it is our absolute pleasure. You are lovely to talk to. Well, so are you, both of you. So thank you very much there to uh, Elizabeth for that insight into her, the writing of Arden's Act and kind of what she thinks herself. I thought it was really good, actually, the book, because it, it dealt with a lot of issues from the era. She wasn't frightened to, to be sort of open and honest, and it wasn't fluffy. No, it wasn't fluffy, and it could easily have been, which I was quite pleased about, to be fair. Yeah, me too. I mean, making the female character in a book from that era the, the lead and the strong character, you know, and not swooning and having smelling salts shoved under her nose every two minutes. <laughs> yeah, and um, she really was a strong character, wasn't she? Yeah, he was the fop, if for want of a better word. Kind of like role reversal, maybe. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was the eye candy and she was the strength. She had really strong morals and she stuck to her beliefs. She knew what she wanted. She fought for what she wanted. Yeah. I thought she was an amazing character. I really enjoyed this book. I must admit, so did I as well. I was At first, I was a bit mm, not overly sure because is it my type of thing. Uh, but one of the things I have to say about the podcast is it is making me read things that I wouldn't ordinarily read. I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the characters. It was well written. Do you know what I really liked as well is the fact that she didn't just write the lead characters really well. She maintained that level of detail and put as much passion into secondary characters and bit characters as she did with the lead characters. A lot of the smaller parts in the book were still really interesting to read about. I still believed in their characters, like Margaret, for example. She wasn't a big part in the book, but I thought she was really well written and you still got a bit of an insight into her, yeah. even though there wasn't a lot about her. Yeah, that's that's a kind of good point, really. And all the characters were, were alive and believable. Yeah, they were. If I had a TARDIS, being a Doctor Who fan, yeah. I could read that book and then go for a visit I know what to expect when I got there. That's how believable her story was for the time frame that she wrote it in. And that's what I like about this book. Can you explain something to me? Because not being a Doctor Who fan, I thought that when he wobbled off in that TARDIS thing, that he just ended up where he ended up and he couldn't actually go back. Or can he go back? Can he program the TARDIS, a date in and go back to that date or? She, she can. It's a girl now. Oh, yeah. The Doctor. The Doctor. In fact, there's two female Doctors right now. What? I know, right? You're going to have to start watching it. No, I'm not. When it ever comes back again. No, I'm not. It's like punching a date in a calculator and then you just press enter and off you go to that date and time. If you want to simplify it to that extent, yes, it is. Okay. So you could put the date in of Arden's Axe of 1661. Yes. And go back to when chocolate arrived in the UK and to when the, the chocolate yep. cafes. I'd go and, and knock on the door of the Davenants and visit Brian and 
<laughs> go and see Arden as she arrives. I could go and give what's his face a swift kick in that alleyway for giving her such a hard time at the beginning of the book. Yeah. It's like hmm. it was real people set in a real yeah. time frame. Well, it was a real time frame, but yeah, of course it was. But yeah. it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it just flowed, didn't it? Like it you, did. were, you were saying earlier that it was nicely written, and the story actually flowed across the pages, and it was written really well. And I absolutely one hundred percent agree with that. What we got coming up next week? So coming up next week, we're interviewing Lisa Wright, and she's written a book called Operation Amethyst. The write-up about the book is a marine's toughest challenge is to protect a sweet and sour force of nature, whether she likes it or not. Can he protect her in a dangerous shell game until he can take her home? Oh, that's a very short synopsis. Seeing as how you've started it already, why don't you give us the beginning, entice us in? I have, yes. The first paragraph gripped me, so I'll just give you a, a little bit of the first chapter. It'll give you a little bit of a feel for the book. Elise Booker felt the chopper shudder from the heavy spray of gunfire as the crew chief and gunner returned fire. Bullets whizzed by, some striking the windshield and other parts of the aircraft. The pilot and co-pilot fought to maintain control of the helicopter in what was just supposed to be a quick trip to the Kesar military base. After a bullet hit the engine, it began to go down in heavy jungle, churning out of control. Elise hung on to the bars of the chopper for dear life. The chatter from the pilots and gunners screamed through her head along with her own screams of terror. The crew chief took a bullet and his lifeless body slumped over his weapon. Wow. Yeah, it kind of gripped me. It's, this is set in South Vietnam in mid-January 1968. I'm looking and, and assuming we're going to get lots of Viet Cong and lots of fighting and lots of danger. Looking forward to reading that. It's, it's my sort of gripping book, to be fair. If this was a movie, it would have action thriller written all over it. It would. Looking forward to that next week. We have been Daisy Ray. And April Berry. Come share your opinions about the podcast, our authors and their books on Instagram and Facebook at Bear Books Podcast or Twitter at Bear Books Pod 1. Submit your book for a possible future review to submissions at barebooks.co.uk or if you've got any queries or any comments, email them to contact us at barebooks.co.uk. Thanks to Simon Strong for the musical interludes. You can find him on Instagram at dadnap.mp3. And if you like what we do here, subscribe and share. Thanks for listening.